Podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find our work, my work as well, over at silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, or you can just listen to this podcast with Jacob and I. Jacob, the the Lakers finally did it. At well, not not the Lakers. LeBron James did it. <laughs> he ended the Warriors dynasty. It's over. It ended tonight. The reigning Western Conference champions fell to the Lakers, one twenty to ninety four, um, and like this has to be the the best team the Lakers have beat all season, right? I mean, we're talking about the reigning Western Conference champions. We're in the NBA Finals last year, which clearly means they're a good team. I don't. I've seen a couple people discuss it. I can't think of a team that's fallen so hard. In my life, like no, 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 no! Don't, <laughs> don't take this from me. They beat the reigning Western Conference champions, the team that's made the last five finals. Lakers beat them. LeBron James made them look like a G League team, which is hard to do when you've made five NBA finals. I mean, as long as you steer uh, clear of literally any stat to measure success in any regard this season, then yeah, I mean, I'll let you have this. Yeah, but please do, because uh, Lord knows the Lakers need something to cheer about this season with, with how their season's going. Uh, all jokes aside, the Lakers, I, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They did what good teams are supposed to do and beat bad teams like the Warriors, which tastes funny coming <laughs> out of my mouth. Yeah. I'm not saying it tastes bad. It's just I am not used to saying those words. But, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think the only comparison I've really heard of similar uh, circumstance for a team falling so far, so fast, was the Bulls after MJ retired. But they just kind of blew mm-hmm. everything up. That, I mean, I don't know. This is such a weird circumstance that there isn't going to be anything like it before. Like, I almost felt bad for Clay Thompson as they were doing that uh, interview during the game. And he was just like yeah. absolutely disgusted when JaVale had the dunk. And I was like, oh, God, is he just going to start cussing on air? And it seemed like he was like fighting back the urge to just like go off. But like, man, I tweeted it at the end of the game. I do, in, in some regard, feel bad for the Warriors because that's just so many devastating injuries they suffered within, like, six yeah. games. But it's also really nice to be on this side of a beatdown in a Warriors-Lakers <laughs> game. Yeah, obviously injuries are bad for the league, uh, especially when they're as devastating as the ones the Warriors have suffered. But if we're being honest, I, I'm kind of... I, I want to use my words very lightly here. <laughs> I am happy for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry that they don't have to be on the court for all of this. I think things would obviously obviously be different for them if if they were playing. Um, I think at full strength, I, I take Curry, Clay, and Draymond that core over just about any 
dynamic duo in the NBA. They're still very, very good at basketball. Um, but during this transitional period, uh, I I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I'm sure if Draymond had it his way, if he could have just, like, a nagging injury, <laughs> like, um, like a like a like hanging fingernail <laughs> that kept them from a practicing hangman. yeah um i'm sure he wouldn't mind because i have never seen somebody that hates losing as much as draymond green hates losing like he looked miserable out there and he has since the season started yeah i mean this team was never going to be good so i i understand steph and clay don't have to go through this it's unfortunate the way in which they had to go about not going through this, but um, man, this team is just, they're so bad. We were talking a little bit before we went on. I think this is the worst team in the league. I haven't, I've watched the Knicks um, a couple times, and that is to me the only team that I think is comparable, mainly because the Knicks just are like, bizarro world we're gonna start four power forwards um yeah this but even then like this this warriors team is just so their defense is just so like ridiculously bad and like they're not i mean steph will eventually come back but he ain't helping the defense it was bad with him and like (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I don't know if Steph's coming back. Well, yeah. If we're yeah. being honest, but he's the only like potential guy. I mean, I guess Clay maybe. Yeah. No. I mean, I neither oh. of them should come back, but this is just such a bad defensive team, and I mean, again tonight they're a bad rebounding team. Um, the Lakers crushed them, fifty-one thirty-three rebounding. There, there's a couple guys I like kind of like on that team but like there isn't hardly anybody on this team that's that I think that they're gonna roll over to next year like it's just a lot of young guys who are just eating up minutes because Steph and yeah. Clay aren't there yeah that's that's really I think it's basketball fans should enjoy this iteration of the Warriors while they can because next season, mm-hmm. like uh, health permitting, Steph, Clay, and Draymond will be back on the court. They'll have a lottery pick. Like we're guessing, I don't see this. I don't see this ship turning around this season with with the personnel they have, and they're also one of the few hard cap teams in the league. So it's not like they can just ring up Jr. and tell them like, "Hey, man." <laughs> Do what you did for Cleveland, but for us, um, they're they're not going to be good this season. But next season, they'll have um, a lottery pick, whether it's to draft somebody like James Wiseman, uh, a king of the NCAA, <laughs> or not the NCAA, depending on how you look at it. Um, Lamelo Ball, perhaps. I'm down. Makes um, no sense whatsoever, <laughs> but I'm down. I mean, he's six seven. I, he could theoretically play the three um, <laughs> on one end of I, the court, maybe. Yeah, right. I, I I wouldn't see that defense getting any better with Lamelo Ball uh, at the three. But the point is, they could use that pick in a trade 
with D'Angelo Russell. Don't know what they'd get back for it. Um, and I've put a lot of thought into this. I don't know what... Um, sorry, I just got an email. And we'll actually read it on air. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I won't... I won't... I won't say the name, obviously. Um, but somebody just emailed me as, as we were recording... Uh, I'm a big Lakers fan. Read your article after the Warriors game. You conclude with something like, the Kings have an exciting collection of young talent, but they're coached by Walton, so it balances out. Will you please explain what you mean? Huh. Uh, friend. Did you watch the Lakers the last yeah. <laughs> three years? Or the Kings this yeah. year? Just watch. Yeah. Go back in the archives or just wait until the Kings play again, which I'll even do you the service of... Of checking when the Kings play again. It might be Friday. Uh, let's see. It is. Yeah, Friday against the Lakers. Um, yeah, and that's all I'll say on that. Watch the Kings play. It, in fact, if you're such a big Lakers fan, watch them play on Friday. I invite it. Um, and that which I mean, but in in their defense, the. The Kings have actually started to turn it around a little bit. They're four and six now, two games away from five hundred. Uh, the eighth seed in the Western Conference is two games above five hundred. The Portland Trailblazers are four and eight. Who could have seen that coming? Except everyone with a brain that thought they should have signed a forward. Like, no, you can't predict that Zach Collins was going to suffer another devastating injury. Um, Yusuf Nurkic will be back eventually, but c- come on. You need you need more than Mario Hazonia and Rodney Hood to play the four. Those I don't know what position Mario Hazonia plays. It's not, it's not to be four. clear. It, it's the three it's, <laughs> but a it's three not the on four. a bad team and the Blazers are a bad team. I I, I feel so bad. Dame, buddy, if you're listening to this. I, LeBron James had a quote. Not too long ago, along the lines of, "I'll I'll make Damian Lillard feel appreciated if if he feels underrated," and I like that. Give me Damian Lillard on a LeBron James team with Anthony Davis. I just, I mean, obviously the Lakers in no way will ever be able to make that trade, uh, but I do <laughs> want some somebody trade for him. I don't know. I haven't even thought about what a trade for him would look like, but. Man, the Blazers had such a like decent core. They made a fun run to the Western Conference Finals, and then did everything wrong this summer yeah. and screwed <laughs> it all up. And I mean, they're playing guys at center now who in like power forward who I haven't even heard of, like uh, Jalen Horde. Uh, Anthony Tolliver oh. is still in the league. Um, I watched his weird jump shot last night. Hassan Whiteside is atrocious and should not be playing, yeah. but has to. I don't. I didn't get that not that trade. Like, yeah, for who do they they traded Myers Leonard and I think it was like a big four team trade or something. The because I think Mo Harkless was in that trade yeah. too, right? Jesus, why? What in what world does does that trade make any sense for any? Well, I mean, the Heat got a pretty good deal out of it, I guess. But 
Why? Even with the knowledge that Nurkic is going to be out, don't know if Whiteside is the guy you want to replace him with. Just really poor roster management by the Blazers front office. I feel bad for Terry Stotts, too. I think Terry Stotts is a great mm-hmm. coach. And you gave him Hassan Whiteside, which I guess was his best shot at winning coach of the year, is if he could lead the Blazers to another top three seed with Hassan Whiteside as his center. I don't, I don't know what the plan was there. It's not working. They are. Two in. I just had it pulled up. Two four, and eight. Four and eight. Oh, four, four and eight. Sorry, eight. yeah. Don't take those two games away from them, Jacob. It's all they yeah. have. They, uh, I saw somebody refer to trading for Hassan Whiteside as a culture heat check just to see if the culture that the Blazers had around and with Dame could withstand bringing in someone like Hassan Whiteside. The answer is a definitive no. It cannot. Hassan Whiteside is, man. I can't say Yeah, he is rough. He has been rough for a while. He's had such a weird career. Like, good on him for securing the bag, but he he reminds me in a lot of ways of the bad side of Dwight Howard during the last couple of years yeah. before we... <laughs> when he was in the bad place. Yes, before we got this bizarro world Dwight Howard that we have now that's defending KCP on Twitter. Like, good on him, but... This is never going yeah. to feel regular. <laughs> and uh, we should probably talk about KCP before we getting in, get into anything else. Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope suffered an ankle injury in the fourth quarter of their game against the Warriors, uh, which I don't know if I mentioned they won 120-94. Um, the, the weird thing about that injury was the fact that it didn't look like he rolled his ankle. He kind of just landed weird on the ball of his heel. And then he grabbed. And I, I, I want to use my words carefully again because I don't want to s- suggest that he has an Achilles injury. But it definitely was that area. It was that high ankle. Uh, it was more the mm-hmm. side of the ankle it looked like it looked than anything. Like he grabbed so. his shin almost than his. Achilles. Right. It was. I mean, honestly, I thought when he started grabbing it, it was one of those. Oh God, I just blew a layup. Let me fake an injury real quick, and then like <laughs> he never came back down the court. And I was like, oh, this is actually bad. He's either really Let's committed. Yeah, to his I was role. like, he's either really committed to the bit or this is bad. Um, I mean, the Lakers said that the X-rays came back negative. They'd reevaluate him tomorrow. I mean, I'm not going to speculate at all. It looked like a weird injury, but he jogged back to the tunnel, so I'm not too worried about it right now. Yeah. The thing the thing that sucks is we've we've had our fun with KCP on this pod. Lakers Twitter has their fun with KCP it seems like every day. Um but he's he's one of the better defensive players on the team statistically speaking. And just from like an effort standpoint, say what you will about KCP as an offensive player since he excuse me uh since he came to la where the defensive effort has always been there uh he is the second best defensive rating on the team not including costas <laughs> Anacumpo, and rajon ronda who's only who's played two games now uh but when i checked stats.nba.com it hadn't been updated to reflect that but point is he's one of the better defenders on the team um he he doesn't make like he he makes an impact on the team is is the point 
he's not the best offensive player by any stretch of the imagination. I tense up whenever he has the ball in his hands and starts to dribble. Um, then as much as the injury sucks, it should be noted that he heard it on a missed layup, like right at the rim. It was right there. Just did not KCP go in. KCP on the fast break is an adventure. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, uh, like, Add yeah, to drag him too much or anything, but <laughs> that is exactly the frustrations with KCP is he, like, jumped, like, he thought he was going to throw down this massive dunk and then, like, realized in midair, like, oh, that's a lot farther than I thought, and then tried to, like, <laughs> lay it in and... I don't know when when you keep things kind of simple for him he's fine but he's always an adventure in the in the open court but I mean the role he's kind of been in the last couple of games two yeah, games is yeah. I think where you can find the most success with him he's probably not much more than a twenty minute per game guy um, which he he played eighteen I think he probably would have been right about twenty minutes. Uh, had he not gotten hurt tonight, but I <laughs> somebody I honestly can't remember who said last night after the well uh, Tuesday night. By the time you're listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, he only played eight minutes and 28 seconds against the Suns, and somebody had a conspiracy theory that they were going to slowly dwindle down his minutes to where he asked for a trade, so that they could yeah. <laughs> not have to worry about. Him not waiving his uh, no trade clause. I don't know that that'll happen, but that's kind of the situation that played out last year. Yeah, and honestly, I I totally buy into it. Not just because I want it to happen. I, it just makes sense. KCP's twenty six years old, still pretty young. Has a player option to where if he wanted to. Start fresh on a new team, outplay his contract, and then secure a long-term big money four-year deal from a team in need of a of a two-guard like Memphis. Say, I don't know why I brought them up, but I think Memphis is probably need in need of a shooting guard, and they have a few wings on the team that the Lakers could I use. I think we're including... contractually obligated to mention Memphis at least once per <laughs> podcast until. Andre Iguodala is free, and he's not yet. Still got another month until we get a definitive update on Iggy, I think, because by that time, I think the Grizzlies will get an idea of which teams are interested in him. Yeah, he's not even... Like, he hasn't even been with the team at all. Like, there's just no update. I don't know where he is. Yeah. This is like kind of like the Luol Deng situation. You just don't know where he is. You just accept that he's not around the team anymore. Which, I mean, does it... I hate that we always end up talking about Iggy. Does it concern you at all that he, I mean, if they don't buy him out until whenever the trade deadline is, that he won't have played basketball for like, I mean, four months into the season plus however many summer months? Um, I mean, it should be a concern of mine, but because of how desperate I am for that, like, big wing, I, I don't care. He just needs to be a warm body, genuinely. I the only reason Contavious Caldwell Pope has value to this team right now is because he is one of the bigger guards, which is just to say he's 6'6", 
and can play the three in spot minutes, whether it's eight minutes like he played against Phoenix or 18 minutes like he played against the Warriors. That's the only reason he's there. He plays defense. I I just really, I really, really want the Lakers to snag one of the one of the big forwards the Grizzlies have, whether it's Jay Crowder, Kyle Anderson, or Andre Iguodala. Just just one. That's all I need. Another name I mentioned a couple times. I watched Charlotte tonight. Michael K. Gilchrist just isn't playing for them. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine that that is not going to change as they continue to be another team tanking for LaMelo or Wiseman. Um, So he would be another one I think will be in the buyout market here in the coming months. They're 4-7, and which, (laughs) because it's the Eastern Conference, is only a half game out of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm surprised. Jacob, I'm... Oh, no. (laughs) I was going to play a game with you, but it's no fun. I was going to have you guess who's shooting better from the field. Michael Kidd Gilchrist or Contavious Caldwell Pope. I did not expect this. I mean, it's... So the answer is Contavious Caldwell Pope is shooting marginally better from the field um, at 35.8%. Oh, my. <laughs> but Con- Michael Kidd Gilchrist is shooting 28.6% from the field this season uh, in 10 minutes per game and 7 field goal attempts per game. He's Which, only played in one Gilchrist game. Is getting... oh, okay, well, fair enough. But, I mean, That's... you're not... If you get Kid Gilchrist, you are not getting him for his offense, <laughs> to say the least. Definitely, yeah. But he's uh... he's only 6'6"? Why did I assume he was bigger? It's because his giant wingspan. Yeah, he, he, he's a four in today's NBA, and he can guard some of those threes. Like, he would be useful... I mean, we always kind of come back to the Clippers because I, I'm at this point. I think it's kind of obvious, kind of clear that it's going to come down to the Lakers and Clippers. At least the way things yeah. are playing out, playing out now. Um, well, Houston looked. I don't know if you caught any of that game, but Houston looked pretty f- scary against the Clippers. I know they're going to add Paul George, but there was a moment, like a few possessions during that game. Where James Harden looked like he just really, really wanted to beat Kawhi Leonard by any means necessary. Like he looked good on defense. He was cooking him on offense. I I really enjoyed that matchup, and that's that's a that's a second round matchup. I would watch the hell out um, of. I did. I caught the end or the last probably four minutes, five minutes of it. I mean, this iteration of the Rockets doesn't scare me as much as previous ones have uh, (laughs) especially come playoff time uh, because they're still really really bad defensively Um, and they just lost um, Eric Gordon Gordon. Uh, Ben McLemore is starting for them Um, not great Bob you typically want to avoid having Ben McLemore start for you Uh, (laughs) every time I think of Ben McLemore I think of his his Kobe Bryant challenge yeah He's, he's still, still waiting. He's ben, still waiting on that. My sweet Ben. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Clippers have had some defensive struggles in the past couple of weeks, but uh, which no one expected. <laughs> no, certainly not. But yeah, Paul George is coming back. I think this team will kind of round into shape. But I mean, coming back to to the Clippers. I mean, if it does come down to the Lakers and Clippers, then you need guys like Kid Gilchrist, 
who can defend some of the the big bodies that they have. Not even just Kawhi and PG, like Jermichael Green, Mo Harkless. Yep. Mo Harkless. Yeah, guys yeah. like that who, uh, I mean, Patrick Patterson played, he hit like f- four, five threes the other night against uh, Toronto, I think. Um, and he's dunking Yeah, again. he was four of eight from three against Toronto. So um, they just have a whole bunch of bodies like that, which I still think is a pretty bad matchup in that regard with the Lakers. I still think LeBron and AD can give them all kinds of problems, but when they have as many wings like that, I mean, we saw KCP has to guard those guys. I would feel a lot better having Michael Kidd-Gilchrist or a guy like him, Jay Crowder, like you, we've mentioned with Memphis. Guys like that to uh, to guard some of those guys just because they're a bigger size. And I mean, it's not KCP's fault that he's small or relative to NBA wing standards, but he was offering yeah. no resistance to Kawhi Leonard. So that's kind of where his struggles are. I I don't know that he'll request a trade. I was a little surprised last year that he was open to it because I thought that was as about a good of a role as he was going to have on a competitive team. Um, when Rondo comes back, like I think the rotation is going to look like what it did against the Suns, and that had KCP playing eight minutes. Um, yeah. And I don't really see much of a pathway to him getting more minutes, like maybe a little bit more against uh, over maybe like Quinn Cook or something, but like it's not going to be a whole lot more. Um, I mean, Quinn Cook only played eight minutes that night, so Caruso mm. played really well that game. Avery Bradley's honestly exceeded all of my expectations. Like I know we've talked, I know we've talked yeah. a lot about how well Dwight's been, but Avery Bradley's been really, really good too. Um, and they just bring things to the table that KCP can't. So he's kind of the odd man out. I know we talked a lot about the guard rotation. I think right now he's going to be the odd man out when Rondo's active. Yeah, that, I mean, that, and that guard rotation needs to be cleared up either way. I think if you're getting rid of Contavious Caldwell Pope, I think you still have to get rid of one more guard, whether it be Troy Daniels or Quinn. Oh, Cook. yeah. I think it'll be it, Troy Daniels did, at this point. He didn't play in that Phoenix game now that everybody's back to full health, and I think that'll be his quote-unquote role is just not playing. I mean, we. I think – Yeah. I don't know that you necessarily have to get rid of him. I don't – I because there were like those couple of games against like Miami and somebody else played zone against the Lakers, Toronto maybe. And he came in and knocked down a couple threes real quick. Like that's what you keep him around for. I would yeah, I would just true. as soon cut Boogie and get a a wing and keep I mean I know I think last week I was down on Daniels, but I mean he that's the role you need him for. And the Lakers don't really yeah. have anyone else that can do that. So, I mean, if you were to move on from KCP, cut Boogie, and add two wings, um, I'd feel a lot better about this roster. Well, let's let's uh, let's walk back to the Clippers for a second here. Um, because as of Friday, the Lakers will have played every team 
in the Pacific Division. And the only team they've lost to is the Clippers. Earlier in the season, I tweeted out something along the lines of the Clippers having a better roster, like more talent top to bottom than the Lakers. And I stand by that. Like, you rank the top 10 players on the Lakers and Clippers, the Clippers vacate most mm-hmm. of those. Yeah, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and no order. I mean, I guess we could put them in order, but I don't no, care to. I um, think it changes a lot, too. Yeah. So you got those top, you got those four at the top. But after that, I mean, you got Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, uh, Patrick Beverly, who, I mean, if you ask Russell Westbrook, isn't that good of a player, but I think by most standards, Pat Bev's pretty good. The lack um, of self-awareness in uh, Russ's comments. You're like, <laughs> he, did, he didn't even realize he was also describing himself. <laughs> well, I mean, he did say, like, I, I play hard, too. Like, I, I, I'm one of those guys that plays hard, but I don't think he, he listened <laughs> yeah. to the words that were coming out of his mouth. Um, my point is the Clippers are really talented, really deep. But what I will say, and I did not expect this um, 10, 11 games into the season, I think Frank Vogel has made more with what he has than Doc Rivers has has so far, which is nuts to me. Because the I look at the Clippers and think, man, these guys are talented. These guys are deep. It's going to be hard to take any possession off against them. I, but it, Frank Vogel seems to have it figured out, or at least on on the brink of figuring it out. Whether it's rotations, uh, offensive schemes, you know who who he's going to give the ball to when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the court. Which right now I know it didn't look like it to start the season, but it's looking like it could be Kyle Kuzma. Um, I I know that two man tandem that the Clippers have of of Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell is a handful, but they didn't really have anything to counter that in that first game, and I think they will with with Kyle Kuzma back on the court and Rondo and AD getting a, a good chunk of minutes with that second unit. Alex Caruso being a pest on defense, which as much credit as I've given Vogel, how dare you not play Alex Caruso in that first game against the Clippers? I understand he was a little hurt, but I think. Caruso at 80% still would have helped the Lakers in that game. Like, the more, the further we get away from that first game, the more weird it is just all around. Like, yeah. I mean, it was to be expected. The Lakers still had a lot of feeling out to do. They still have a lot of feeling out to do. Um, they're getting a better sense of it now, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know why he didn't play Caruso. I don't know why he played Troy Daniels so much. I mean, sometimes you just kind of got to throw guys out there and figure out what you have and don't have. Um, see, that game was also, like, we've talked about it a couple times. That was like a playoff environment for game one of the season. Yeah. So, in that regard, it was weird, too. Um, there's, I mean, it, yeah, it sucks that, he, that Caruso didn't play that game, but he's pretty squarely in the rotation at this point, which is... Very good news. He's he played twenty seven minutes tonight. Um, yeah, he was in the closing lineup in that Phoenix game. I thought he played really well. He he locked down Devin Booker, uh, which was incredible to see. Um, <laughs> he had his Corey Brewer system on that game, 
Um, <laughs> he was giving him fits. I, I'm trying to pull up this, the matchup stats real quick. Devin Booker didn't score on him, I know, and he had three turnovers against him. Uh, it was like 0 of 6, I think, which is crazy. I, 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 honest, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I think Caruso obviously hasn't averaged like 15 points per game and been the surefire starting point guard, but he's been solid, man. Like he's statistically the best defender on the team. He just he just a pest on that end. I I really enjoy watching him with the second unit. He played. He was the second uh, most common matchup against Booker. Danny Green was the first. Uh, Booker had three turnovers. Uh, did not. He was 0 of two from the field. Um, mm. And yeah, he did not score. Didn't have any free throws or anything. Uh, only LeBron was really the only other guy who defended him. And uh, held him without a point. Against LeBron, he was 0-3. But yeah, Caruso was on him a fair amount and defended him really well, which um, if you have him and Avery Bradley out there together in some of those defensive lineups, especially to close games like they did um, in that Phoenix game, those two are, like you said, they're pests. Like, they're hard to deal with. And then you have Danny, Danny Green, I don't think, close that game. But you have him. No, yeah, you didn't. have him on the wing yeah. uh, when he's playing well. Like, the Lakers, I'm a little surprised at how good they've been defensively. I thought they had a lot of, like, the individual pieces, which I think a large part of it, uh, they're now first in defensive rating after tonight ahead of the Jazz. Um Dwight has obviously been a huge part of it, and AD defending the rim, we knew he could do. Um, but yeah. Dwight, Avery Bradley, both have kind of turned back the clock a little bit, and then Caruso's getting real rotation minutes. Um, I mean, I, this is an elite defense, and I, they're going to stay like top five probably the whole entire season, I think. Yeah, I mean, on paper it always made sense. I mean, I think the Lakers can put – a player that has made an all defensive first team at every position because you got Rondo, which the- theoretically, I, I, yeah, right. Uh, you have Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. and Dwight Howard coming off the bench. I mean, I guess. yeah, you basically just Dwight's definitely made first team. All NBA or all defense here. Yo, yo, well, that's yeah. what I'm saying is that they so, got six guys deep. Yeah, that have yeah. Made... So theoretically, you could take Rondo out of that lineup and just put in yeah. White, and <laughs> there's your five guys. But yeah, it'll, it it made sense on paper, but like Bradley hadn't been the best defender in Detroit or LA or even Memphis in the ten games he was there. Uh, Dwight hasn't been the defensive stalwart he's been in in recent years, and. I, I don't know. I'm I'm so impressed with the veterans on this team. I don't know what happened with Avery Bradley and the Clippers. They were a playoff contending team, which is my biggest concern with, with him, is that he was on a playoff contending team, and they were doing well, and he still didn't get it together. So, I mean, I guess it must have really been him just being hurt because he's looked pretty great to start the season. Enough can't be said about the changes Dwight Howard made physically, mentally. I mean, he just, he really wants it 
a, I think as bad as anybody on the team. Like he really wants to win a championship. J- JaVale's looked great in recent games, which is a welcome sight to see. Um, I don't know if it just has to do with matchups, but I mean, the team's really starting to come together. Um, you get Kyle Kuzma going, a guy that I think I, I've said is probably going to average close to 20 points per game for most of the season. I still have questions about his fit with LeBron and AD on the court, but some of those concerns were kind of like they, they I have less of those concerns after seeing him in Phoenix mm-hmm. in that fourth quarter run with LeBron and AD. He looked awesome. He had two really big shots, and that's exactly the type of role you want Kyle Kuzma playing in those late game situations. So uh it's I'm I'm proceeding with caution, but I I am really happy with where the Lakers at. I like Frank Vogel as a coach. I think LeBron and AD get it, like get playing with each other. Not always in love with LeBron Ball and him isoing on the perimeter, but I mean he's shooting I think above fifty percent from the field this season. Let me double check on that. But yeah, good things. Uh he's forty seven point six percent. Still making most of his shots. I can live One with One thing I was just looking up while you were talking. Uh, Dwight's last full season in ch- or healthy season was in Charlotte. He had 499 post-ups. It was an average of 6.2 a game. He's averaging <laughs> half a post-up per game this season. Anthony joked that that number is going to skyrocket once his contract becomes <laughs> guaranteed. Maybe, but... Uh, he's playing so well now that I'd almost just deal with it for a little while until he gets yelled <laughs> at by LeBron or AD and whatnot. He's been, yeah. I mean, I know everybody is in every show has talked about how great he's been. He's been the X factor in this team to make them from like a good, like a decent contending team, kind of in the middle of the pack with all these other teams, to being the top team in the West. I think. Um, He's yeah. been. I would have never in a million years imagined that he would play like this, um, and I think I mean you talked a little bit about it, but credit to the coaching staff for getting all these guys to to buy in. Um, Avery, Dwight, even LeBron and AD, um, because all these guys are playing hard and together, despite. Only having, I mean, after tonight, 11 games together, um, this defense, I would have never in a million years, even as we said that they had all the pieces, I would not expect them to be this good this fast. Um, and the offense, I mean, it's still a bit of a work in progress. It's getting better. Um, it's still a, a really good offense. They're up to 11th now. Um, it's improving. And this, I mean, honestly, the defense is improving too. This is. I mean, I knew the Lakers had a fairly. I don't. Want, I mean, I thought it was an easy start. Basketball Reference tweeted out a stat that it was like the third hardest. They had a, a a schedule that was kind of soft in places at the start. I don't think I ever could have predicted that they would have started nine and two, um, and really their next I think three games are all going to be games where I think that they're going to be heavy favorites. So I mean, you're looking at like. 12, 13 and 2, um, something like that. Yeah, they Sacramento, Atlanta, OKC, 
home and away, and Memphis. That's five more games. You're looking at like 14 and two with this team by the end of November, right around Thanksgiving time. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned their upcoming games because that's what we'll end the show with, as we do every week. Um, starting with Friday in Sacramento, um, I will take the Lakers in this game. I I don't I I'm I'm not an, as low on the Kings as a lot of people are. They think they have enough, just like athleticism and shooting, to counter whatever it is Luke Walton's doing over there. Um, but I still think having two superstars is better than having none. That game, yeah, that game's in L.A. What kind of reception does Luke Walton get? Uh, probably booze, but, I mean, he's so used to the Luke chance <laughs> he gets that... He can just convince himself he'll be blind that they're to Luke it. chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Lakers will win that game. The Hawks, I f- feel... Different. Well, John Collins still isn't back, so I guess that's good. But Jabari's been playing pretty well. Um, but again, I, I, I love Trey Young. He's so fun. I enjoy watching Trey Young play basketball, and he's trying harder on the defensive end, which is a welcome sight. But again, two superstars, none. I take the Lakers, and I, I think rinse and repeat with the Thunder too. Although Shea Gilgis Alexander, my God. As if it weren't for Kawhi Leonard kind of forcing the Clippers' hands and getting the big-name guy, they would have had Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the roster, which n- neither of those players are Paul George, but they're they're both very good. Um, I will say first that I absolutely love Trey Young, and I don't think they're that far away from him just being a superstar. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they still have a ways to go as much I, I like a lot of their young core uh, but they have nobody that can match up with LeBron or AD mm-hmm. I think they win that handily and I mean I will talk before the second OKC game but I think they win both of those games um, that OKC team is kind of interesting Shea if it weren't for Brandon Ingram he'd probably be the front runner for early in the season for most improved player um, yeah, but Shea's a lot of fun. I'm surprised at how well he's played next to Chris Paul. Um, mm-hmm. that's a weird team, but I don't know. That's like a team full of role players that I I, I like, but <laughs> I don't know. Mike Mike Muscala is on that team. I forgot he went to OKC. Yeah, that's just a team full of role players. Um, I like a lot of them, but. You typically don't win many games when your entire team is just role players. So I think the Lakers pretty easily win both those games, too. I think Steven Adams may still be out, too, but I could be wrong on that. Um, well, that's our show for this week, guys. Um, if if you enjoyed it, leave us a nice little review or send us an email asking why you don't get the things <laughs> I write. Um, Jacob, thanks for joining me. I hope you... Uh, What's what's on the the docket for the next week for you? And how was your birthday, first of all? Birthday was great. Uh, there is a long story about eating very very hot wings that maybe one day in the <laughs> summer next year we'll share because it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, 
I'm excited for to watch the Lakers. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had this good of a team. I think it's the best start since like 2010-11. So it's yeah. uh, I don't I didn't realize how much I don't know if dreads the right, right word, but I would go into watching Lakers games with like this looming sense of like what's going to go wrong tonight, and now I'm going into these games yeah. with like. I can't wait to see them. Like tonight, I was excited to watch the game because I knew that they were going to destroy Golden State. <laughs> well, uh, let's hope they continue that because if they don't, I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Uh, Jacob, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.